Hey everybody, this is Issa Cosette, the producer and host of Issa's Way, your favorite podcast that uplifts amazing people on their journeys. And this week we have a very special guest, Desri, a spoken word artist, writer, and facilitator based in London and currently an artist in residence for the Poetry Collective Empowered. Desri explores intersectionality, justice, and social commentary, occasionally throwing in a fuckboy poem. She is an Ascidian Foundation alumni with me and also a producer for a series of live events called Word Up, based in the borough of Brent and Word of Mouth London. Desri curates both live events and visual media, booking acts from around the world. It's such an honor to sit with her today to listen and learn more about her story and her power and her strength and why she hypes up Black women across the world. Thank you so much for saying yes. Tell the people a little bit more about yourself, Desri, and how you came into writing and speaking and power. Uh, thank you so much for having me. This is, is I'm honoured. Obsidian was such a, a beautiful space where we were able to just be without any like cultural context, which so I'm just grateful. I'm grateful to be here. Um, how did I get into writing? I've always been writing and I say this quite a lot and I think I like undermine it in a way, but I've literally, it's the only thing I've ever really done like consistently since like childhood. And a lot of the time, because I wasn't sometimes because I wasn't writing it down, like I was just making up stories or I was singing songs that I invented in my head and I never like put it to paper. I didn't really think of myself as a writer. It's only within the last like three, four, five years that I've actually been able to be like, ah, I am a writer. Um, But I've always just been creating. Um, I went to, when I went to uni, um, when I went to college, I did a drama degree. um, And I thought I wanted to be on that side of the stage. And then I decided I didn't, like, it was all very much, it was all a mess. Like, I think as creatives, as artists, like, no, it's never like a straightforward path. Like, no one ever gets from A to B in the same way. Um, but yeah, so then I, I decided I didn't want to do, I didn't want to be on the stage anymore. So I started like marketing, I started being behind the scenes. I, my idea was that I wanted to do, I wanted to run a venue. I wanted to run like an arts venue, a theatre venue. I called Theatre My First Love and Poetry My Mistress. um and then I went back home I'm from a really small town called Slough um, just outside of London um after uni and there was nothing there for me anymore and there was nothing there for the people I'd grown up with that I used to go to these like youth centers with and like make music with um so I decided to like um put on like events and like showcase all of these talents all of these creative art forms from the people that I grew up with um, and one of the acts dropped out and um, my mum turned to me and said, do that thing that you said you read to me earlier, which was like this poem that I was kind of like working on, but I didn't know it was a poem. And I did it. And then everyone was like, that's great. And then like I started doing it elsewhere. And fast forward a few years later, like three or four years later, I ended up quitting my job and doing it full time. Um, so yeah, that's how I got into it. And that's how like, I've kind of like maintained 
I think that's so dope, especially like your entry into poetry. You're just like having your mother be like, hey, do that thing. Right. Because you've already kind of were curating or creating different experiences to find your voice. Right. To be able to express yourself. And like you had these like elements from theater and drama to be able to hype you up. And so I love the way that you were like encouraged. And so I was thinking about like, how was that leap of faith when you just said, you know, I'm going to quit my job and tap into this poetry thing full time? Like, what was that process like? for you painful like and I'm not gonna like pretend that it wasn't I think that's something that like we should be really honest about um as freelancers but when I say painful I don't mean that to deter anybody like all the best things are a bit hard like we have to grow we need to like 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 bust out of our shell basically right so that we can we can we can have that growth so growth is painful um, I was a marketing manager at a theatre and I had just um, come second in a national slam and I was getting all of these job offers for poetry um, but I also had to do this nine to five and I was luckily enough I was like 24 25 um, so I had so I knew that if I just do the poetry thing for a while I can always just come back like I don't I don't lose I don't lose my skills like I had all of this work and I knew I couldn't do both of them well um I could do both of them but it would drain me it would I wouldn't be producing the work that I want to be producing and that's on either side um so I thought let me just step away from this for a minute let me step away from this nine to five I've nine is long anyway like being up (laughs) at 9am is stressful so um let me just follow this for a a moment and what we're like six years five six years in and I've not I've I still dabble in marketing I love theatre I write plays so like I'm still in that world it's just in a very different sphere um and yeah I still have like I still at some point want to manage a venue but that will be completely on my own terms now and how wonderful is that oh I love that I love the fact that like you said on your own terms the fact that you've been able to like evolve and use all of your skills and talents and eventually yes you will have your venue that will be able to cater to theater poetry marketing many different avenues right that you are developing and I know how just like painful yes growth is but like how comfort isn't truth and how much we tap into ourselves when we, when we take these risks, when we grow. And so thinking about that growth, thinking about the chaos and the things that shape us, and then thinking about just the process of writing your second edition of your debut paint for I found strength in simple things. Um, how did writing that book, you know, how was that process of writing that book for you thinking about your experiences, organizing marketing, and then coming back to find your strength and putting that, into print <laughs> so the first time I did it um I had absolutely no confidence in my ability as a writer um I I, I struggle I struggled should I say with um that that like creating this as a job anyway and like self-esteem in that like am I good enough constantly arriving to spaces arriving to places looking at my own work and being like am I good enough am I good enough am I good enough so when I first, when I was first like encouraged to put together a collection, I like, like loads of, up until that point, loads of people would ask me to like um, enter these poems into like magazines into print. And I said, no, because what I did was spoken. It wasn't supposed to be written down. 
um, there was like, I don't know if this is the same everywhere, but in the UK, sometimes there feels like there's a very def def definite gap between poetry, page poetry and spoken word, um, which I'm learning to unlearn. Um, so I was like very, very stressed out about that whole situation. Um, I, when I was finally encouraged, I didn't put, I didn't write the book, the book wrote itself. I had all of these poems that I, that I had and I put them together and I was like, oh, okay, cool. Here it is. But in the, in a bid to kind of make, still make it me, because again, I didn't see myself as a writer. I just wanted to give people something they can take home with them. And um, nobody was doing, nobody does cassettes or CDs anymore. So I was like, I don't know. <laughs> like, maybe it's just a book. Um, I put QR codes in which was really interesting because at the time, nobody really knew what a QR code was. But a friend of mine, Charlie, who um, runs an organisation called Word Up, um, based in London, um, he had done it before and he was working with it and he works in tech and stuff. And I had these QR codes that people scanned and it took me them to me reading the poem. And I was like, that's brilliant. That's exactly what I want. So I put together this book. Um, I had two launches because that's obviously my marketing kind of element. I had one for the people that I grew up with, Slough. Like, I, it was like in the shape of the open mic night, so that like this is where I came from. This is where it all started from. That one time I read this this poem that's now in this book at this event, and then I had one in London because that was where I was going all the time to do all of these 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 spoken word um, like gigs or shows or events etc um and then burning eye asked me for well actually asked for a different um collection and that wasn't ready and at the last minute I was like this actually isn't ready but I do want to revisit this because now people know what QR codes are <laughs> and I've learned how to use line breaks um I want to kind of like I want to like visualize my growth like if when I put my old um, pamphlet next to this the, the second edition it's like wow like I can literally see how I've grown and how I've shaped myself as a writer and how yeah I'm still me and these poems still like not to be arrogant but these poems still bang like <laughs> but we've also got um like the actual physicality of how the words are on the page and how and these QR codes and some of the videos are different because they're me performing at a different night where I wasn't, I wasn't like this little confident, like with little confidence trying to get to their marketing job in the morning. And I was like, actually, this is my job. And now I've got to bring me every single time. Um, so yeah, so like that, that process in and of itself, again, was scary, but the opening the box of your books is like, I can't even describe the feeling. Like it was, it was an absolute madness. Like, I didn't think I was going to feel nothing about it and then it was there and I was like this is what I this is what I've done um so yeah I think there was a lot of self-doubt there was a lot of like um negative like self-talk um and the moment I was able to kind of like jump over that and be like actually everything I'm doing is is learning is growth like even now like as much as I can look back on the, the old collection I think it'd be really easy for me to look back on like the first edition of this pamphlet and be like who who did I think I was or oh my god like why did I even do that but I look back and think like yes like you you did it there and then you did it again imagine <laughs> like like 
hype over here because that's exactly what I was thinking when I was like looking at your work and just like when I was reading about the QR codes, I'm like, yo, that's dope, you know, because I was thinking, you know, my next question would be like, was your most, um, the impactful performance that you ever done and how was it received? And so now I'm thinking like, how people react to seeing your performance and reading your work. And like, like you said, just having that comparison is a, a beautiful archive to document your growth in a way, right? Because if we never start, or if we don't put ourselves out there, we can't really tell, you know, how much or how far we've gone, like usually. So I'm just like happy to hear that you have had ways, you know, to document your growth, to be able to show your evolution and realize like, yeah, my poems do hit, you know, and I've been (laughs) doing that and I'm still growing. And it's just like, I love that, you know, and I think, you know, it's interesting how sometimes we don't think that we're as confident or like, you know, we are still timid and shy, but like the way you present yourself, the way you speak, I'm just like, I want to be her best friend. Like, why wasn't she in my group? We could have been doing some things, but it's okay. Cause timing is like everything. Timing is everything, but it's just like, wow. So thinking about, yeah, your performances, thinking about your evolution, your books, like what was maybe the most impactful performance that you're just like, yeah, when you get this book, you have to read or watch this video. Or if it's not on the video, would you remember it? Um, I don't I don't think it's any of the ones like recorded, because I think for me, like the impact comes in conversation. Right. So like I don't know something is hitting until like I get off the stage. I always I always liken like performing to like being on a roller coaster. Like at the beginning you're hyped, you like you want to get on it. You sit in it, you're like, oh, did I make the right decision? <laughs> and then you're off and you're like, you have this like huge adrenaline rush and then it's over. Um, and that's what tends to happen when I'm performing. Like I don't really, like the actual space itself feels a bit like, otherworldly sometimes it's just like I I come off and I'm like did that did I how did that go (laughs) was that a thing but like two of my most the two of my most memorable um like performances that I remember um when I did the slam I was telling you about I did the national poetry slam national um hammer and tongue poetry slam um at the Royal Albert Hall and I got to so I came so it's a very I don't know how slams work elsewhere but like depending on where you won your slam depends on what um level almost you 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 arrive at um in the slam so like I won a slam in like the bottom of a pub in Edinburgh when I was there watching plays to I think at the time to take back to my theater, like I was just like, and I was like, um, I was with my friend and I was like, yeah, let's do this, this, this. I want to perform a poem. I didn't know it was a slam. And then it turned out to be a slam and I won entry to this competition, which meant I started at the bottom, which meant it was two days of um, slamming, two days consistent, like basically almost consistently of slamming. Um, And I make it to the final round. So it's just me, um, an amazing poet called Yusama, I think that was, I think it was just us two. I think it was between us two. And um, the, the last poem, I didn't realize that I had all these poems and I was just going up and doing them and then going to sit in the hallway because it was just all very stressful. And then the last poem I got up and I was like, I'm gonna do this poem. Um, it is in the book, um, Black Girl Magic, because like, look at where I am. Like I'm at the Royal Albert Hall. I'm, I'm like at, in the final of this slam and like I need to pay homage to all of these people that came before me. Um, 
So that was like a really, like, I felt that very important. And I was like, and if I'm going to win the slam, I want to win with this poem. I want to win with a poem that talks about the experiences of black women. Um, and then the other time is when I was at a festival um, in the middle of nowhere. I don't know what I was doing there. <laughs> I was tired. I'd just gone through a breakup. I was just, it started raining and I was in shorts. It was just like, <laughs> like fundamentally, like a terrible, terrible day. Um, I get up to this poem, like tired, livid, like just wanting to cry absolutely every possible moment. Um, and I do a poem called, Are You Okay? I don't think it's in that, it's not in that collection, um, which is about um, the suicide rate in men. And I come off, and I just sit down on this grass and I'm just like trying to just like ground myself, like just block everything out and just be like, okay, cool. You've got to be here for another few hours to so just calm down. <laughs> and this group, um, oh, it wasn't even a group. I think one person came up to me first and then another person came up to me and then another person came up to me. And then it was just me and these three men like sat in a circle on the grass while they like talked to me and they say, and they're like, talk about being like feeling seen in that poem um, about some of the mental health issues that they've had, but they've not felt any, able to speak to anybody about. Um, they talk to me about their strength. Um, and it was just like this really genuine moment where I realized like, actually like, yeah, I was going through all these things. I, just, I told you like all of the things that happened to me before I got on stage. And then I sat down and really unintrusively these men like shared with me the things that have happened to them before I got on stage. And it just became this thing that, that sometimes it's bigger than you. Sometimes it's not about you at all. And I don't know what moved me to, to do that poem. I wasn't thinking about the poem. I was thinking about being cold, <laughs> being, it being, it's raining, not wanting to be here. I was thinking about my breakup. And then all of a sudden, like it drew me out of that and made me really present in that space. Um, and yeah, so they were my two, most impactful performances. Oh, my heart is just like, I love that to be in alignment, to be able to let the message flow through you, like you said, like, and realize things are bigger than you, right? Through these experiences and just like using your words, using your experiences to like navigate your healing and also the understandings and ways of others. So it's just like, that is a powerful thing. And Wow. It's just like, you know, just the moments and just to reflect on that and to know like there's many more memories to come and more impact that you'll be able to make as you continue to show up in your gift, as you continue to use your voice and your pen and the stage and anything that just allows you to just light up. And I'm just like, wow, just so hyped and moved to just learn more and talk to you. And I know you have a poem to share with us today. So I'm excited to hear what you will be reading. So I was going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Um, and what did I land on? I landed on um, yeah, I'm gonna do this one. Uh, this is a four-part poem. Uh, and it's called Guide Me, O Thou Great Redeemer. Stand. My class walked hand in hand to the Catholic church that sat behind my primary school playground. The back of my skirt begins to ride up the part of my body that I will grow on to hate, love, let define me. I know Matthew can feel the panic melt to sweat between my palms. The week before he had picked up a frog that was on the field. 
retrospectively, I'm not sure if that makes me the princess or if even now I'm still trying to make him the prince in my story. But in that moment, with all 10 fingers clasped, afraid to move in case they realize the porosity of this flesh, all I could think about was my lack of hands, my ever-growing lack of skirt, and what my nan would say if I show my ass in church. Sit. I'm sat in a cathedral in Germany, staring up at the statue of a white man I think is supposed to be Jesus. Although he is nailed to the cross, he looks peaceful. I look around. Everyone looks like him. The paintings, the statues, alls with eyes blue enough to part the Red Sea or birth the son of a God that I don't recognize. And I realize this image is not one we are all made in. We light a candle for a friend. Instinctively, I pray. Firstly, for my friend, all that grief. But then for me, I pray that this is the last time I have to ask a white man for anything stand. Colleen says I can't play in her part of the playground. From the steps into the main hall, Rachel's kit cackle as she calls me a name I later have to ask Jeeves for its meaning. Once, a boy with hair like wool and feet of burnt bronze tells me that girls with skin deeper than soil just aren't that attractive. In secondary school, we watch Roots as a class. Second period, we're in the maths block. Some people in that room still think it's funny to call me Toby once. When leading a summer camp, a seven-year-old tells their peers that I won't be joining their swimming lessons because black people can't swim. I often feel my blackness in the density of these bones. No wonder I can't float. Neil. I arrived to church on Jesus's birthday, wearing last night's mistakes and a fake fur jacket, still trying to squeeze myself into the pews. My breath still hot from the redox. Again, another mouth has fought its way in, creating an endothermic reaction. I place one hand on top of the other to receive the body of Christ, wondering if this is what consent looks like. Me on my knees with my palms up. A man contaminates my holy water. I'm in distillation. Thank you. Wow. Oh my God. Like I just like moved out of my, yes. Like just the movement, the imagery, the way that you have been able, like just using your body, the flesh, you know, that sacral spiritual connections and questions that we have and having to navigate that, like the way we witness and the way we are perceived and the way we question, just like your evolution from standing, kneeling, sitting, right. These controls. And like you said, is this what consent looks like? Right. Is this what consent looks like? Is this what, like what we're taught to do or what are we doing? Oh my God. Thank you so much. Wow. Desri, how are you on your way? I am being kinder to myself. Um, I'm being patient. Um, I'm being gracious with myself and those around me. I'm doing the work. Um, and sometimes that's not just the actual work that we, we have to do day to day. It is the emotional work. I'm doing the mental work. I'm doing the work for my friends and for my family. I'm doing the work for me. 
I'm doing the work for them so that I can be a better person to be around. Um, I am constantly, my, my actual work, the, what, even though I, I, I do a lot of things, the through, the, the thing that joins them all together is community. Um, so as long as I am uplifting the, my community, I'm listing the people that I love that are around me, um, the people that look like me, the people that are from similar situations than me, the, the young people that um, I'm constantly involved in. Um, I'm always on my way. We will always be on our way. Because it's not just my journey. It is a journey. And that that is everyone's. I'm so happy to think about how you're constantly thinking about how you're on your way and how you making a way for yourself will make impact for others. So may your way continue to be poured into. May you be able to have command and control and power and strength in your voice, in the stories you tell, in the way, in the communities that you impact and the ones that are also going to impact and shape you, right? Because we grow because of the people who are surrounded and uplift us. So I'm just so grateful to finally be in conversation with you, to be able to support your work and learn and learn more about you. Like, I can't wait to see what else you do. Like, this is amazing and so inspiring to hear your story. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. I feel honored and, and blessed to be here um, and have this conversation with you. Me too. What an alignment. Tell the people, where can they connect with you? Where can they support your stuff, your books, all that fun stuff? So um, I am desri.co.uk. So that's I am D-E-S-R-E-E.co.uk. You can find out about what I'm doing, where I am next, um, and links to my socials. But if you just want to go straight to my socials, um, I am at Desi underscore. So that's D-E-Z-Z-I-E underscore. Make sure to follow her, show some love, buy her books, and know that she will find your strength too. She may have had to go do some stuff, but she's going to help you write through it, sing through it, show up on the page through it, So and the stage, you know. Um, once again, thank you so much, Desiree. May God continue to bless you. May your words continue to make impact, and all of our wonderful listeners continue to find your way. Until next time, y'all be blessed. <laughs>